good to see you, Sarah. I haven't seen you in a long time. And oh, it's so good to see everyone here. How are you, madam? Are you, sir? And, and you, oh, you, sir, I haven't seen you since well, you were working on my husband's campaign. Yes, yes, hello, hello, good to see you. Oh, madam, I love this, this little old thing. But isn't it nice and warm? It's so delightful to see you all. And I met you out in the hallway there, didn't I? Well, indeed, it's a pleasure to be here. And I know you were expecting Hollywood, and frankly, you got me. I'm so sorry, and uh, I'll do my very best. You know, Franklin, he said, go down and talk to them, Babs. Tell them what to say and, and what they should be doing. And I said, well, what should I be saying? And he says, well, Babs, you're never lost for words. So here I am. I, I'm here, and uh, as I said, I'm disheveled, and, and, uh, but I'm here to talk about this war that we're in that we didn't ask for. And we were there talking about war bonds, and I do feel that if everyone could just see what I have seen with these young people, these young people that have given so much. Do you know the wounded? I'm there taking care of all the wounded. Uh, the doctors are very busy and nurses. The women are there fighting right along the women, I mean with the men. And you know they're helping so much because they're on the battlefield as well. Do you know in Martha Washington, it was up in my, my part of my country, up in New York, she became, a lot of people don't know that either, she became their arms and their legs because they were wounded as well. And I really admire her because I don't think a lot of people know a lot about her. And who knows, maybe someday they'll look back at me and say, well, we didn't know how strong she was until we, she's like a tea bag, maybe. She, when you get uh, pool water in and hot water, she'll become stronger, who knows. So, and somebody may quote me later on that too. But I will tell you that I have seen a lot and I can only tell you that each and every one of these men and women are happy to be giving up their life for this country of ours. And you know, I often tell Franklin, do you think the younger generation will appreciate the hardships these men and women have gone through? I don't know, because I know my own children. I tell them daily of what they're what they're doing and what they should be doing, even as children. I want the schools to start collecting money for the Red Cross uh, or for something. Everyone in this country should be involved in this war. It's not just for the men fighting. It's for all of us. Well, that was one of my speeches. Now the other speech that I'm here. You know, I was in Hampton not too long ago, and I'm very pleased with what they're doing. They have a village called Aberdeen, and maybe some of you know about this. You're not that far. Aberdeen is a low-cost housing. We're going to need all of these low-cost housing for all of the military men and women when they come back. They are already starting to plan Aberdeen. So I am going to talk to you about something that is very heavy on my heart here in Norfolk. You will be having a ship not too far from today landing here at the docks, and I think the docks are this way. This ship has refugees, and refugees are coming from Europe. They're Jewish. You know, some people are not wanting to be born black, brown, yellow, red, white. 
But these people are going to be turned away. They've been turned away at every port. And if they're not welcome here in Norfolk, they will be going back to Europe where they will be facing their own death. And they know this. So I am hoping that the people here in Norfolk will open their hearts and think about if you were that person on that ship with your family, your friends, your loved ones, and you had to take care of them and you've already been turned down so many times. Well, I would hope that you would open your hearts and accept these people, welcome them, because we are Americans, and that's why they came here, to be free. Free of a tyrant that is, we all know is Hitler. What, this man is just incredibly mean. We're not, so I hope that all of you will We'll do what you can. I don't know what you can do, but I know one thing. If they're not welcome here, they're going to be welcome at the White House. And that is my promise to them. They're not going back to Europe. So I don't know how I'm going to get them there. Maybe I'll take them on the train. Who knows? But I certainly want them to get to the White House uh, if they're not welcome here. But I hope that you will. I think that I have faith in you. I know it's a small crowd. And Franklin always says, small crowds is like a far side chat. Well, that's kind of what we're doing right now. So I would hope that you would open your doors and, and care for these people and let them know the love that you have here. Let them feel the love, because I think you could do that. Now we'll get back to the war bonds. Again, we still need those war bonds, so I want each and every one of you to go out. And I know you probably have questions. And you know, I tell my children, you know, questions are not bad. It's the answers that are. So if you don't know the answer, it's polite to say, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer. But I certainly will look it up, or I'll certainly find out why. Because questions are good. And if we don't ask questions, we'll never learn. So I'm always, and sometimes questions go for a long time, so I can keep talking, but I want you to talk. I want you to ask me some questions, and perhaps we can, together, we can come up with a, a plan for this, this ship that will be here. And I, perhaps you know, madam, when it will arrive. Is it five days from now? I believe you're right. I think it is five days. Oh, it's Quonsi, yes. So when you see that, you make sure that you welcome those people. Don't turn it around. Now, are there a question that you might have for me? Because I love questions. And you know, Franklin always says, well, Babs, be prepared for everything that you uh, might not want to hear. Yes. I've heard recordings of a, a wonderful African-American singer from way back in the 30s, yes. Marian Anderson. I understand that you arranged uh, a a concert by her in the White House. Do you know, I heard that she was not allowed to sing at the DAR. Now, I'm a member of the DAR, so I marched myself over. I was just at the White House. I heard that she could not sing in Constitution Hall because of her skin, the color of her skin. I had never heard, I, I had heard that she was a great singer. She was an opera singer. So I thought, well, if she is an opera singer and she can sing everywhere else, why wouldn't she be able to sing at the DAR? So I decided to march myself over 
And I introduced myself to her, and I said, I would love for you to sing at the White House. And she did. She came, and she actually got to sing for the uh, Philippine uh, Congress, uh, the president of the Philippines. And she, there were a lot of congressmen there. There were a lot of people, dignitaries of Washington, and actually probably had as many people as she probably would have had at the DAR. She was very pleased with it, and I was very pleased. And I can tell you, she can sing like a bird. So if you can get her down here to sing here in this hall, <laughs> I think you would be very happy, sir, and I think you should come. Uh, she's quite, quite a beautiful lady. Inside and out, she's a beautiful lady. So I hope that she will come here and sing. So uh, we were pleased, and, and the Philippine uh, president thought she was wonderful. And actually, he almost had the same skin color she did, so he thought she was Filipino. No, that, uh, that is not, but I, he didn't think that she was, he didn't think anything about it, so we were happy with that. Did all of your sons go into the service during the war? Yeah, they were not all old enough to go, but they did serve. They helped me. We helped at the canteens. And uh, one, oh, Franklin wanted to go so badly, but we did let them use their press. You know, press was not good to me, but they were all right with the children. But the press was very mean to me. Anything, that's why I don't really care what I look like, because if I looked really good, they would tell me I still wasn't looking good. So I thought, well, perhaps they're not very good to, uh, to me at all. So, but they are very good to the children. So they do think that they do get good publicity. So we do all the things that we can for the canteens. And so right now, they will probably be going in in a few, maybe a year or two, they'll be going in. So I hope not. As, you know, the worst thing that a mother can do, and I've talked to plenty of mothers, is to let their sons and daughters go to this war. It's dreadful. I can't imagine. I just think about my own children and how one would let them go off and may never see them again. So it just it breaks my heart to think of that. And I will say that Franklin and I do talk about it a lot. It's a sacrifice that we've all have been touched one way or another in one's family. Why were you so criticized? Because I was outgoing. I guess that's the best thing. Is there anyone here from the press? Oh, well, then good, we can say anything we want. Because, you know, they're going to make me uh, say things that I didn't say anyway. Um, I think because I was more into, well, I'm tall and lanky and, you know, I act like a man sometimes, so who cares? I like to ride horses. They don't think that's ladylike. I, I like to do things that most women probably don't like to do. But you could say I was a tomboy. I grew up with uh, Teddy Roosevelt. So we had so much fun, and I didn't think I wasn't even one of the boys when I was with him. I kind of acted like that, and I don't think they liked that. Because most of the, look at Mrs. Huber, very dainty. And then all the ones before, you know, me were very dainty and very ladylike, and here I come. And, well, I'm ladylike, but I don't look like it. So that's the main thing. They, they criticize for my clothes. And you know, why would anyone criticize someone for what they wear? I just don't understand it. And I think when I was at Ellenwood in London, this is one thing they taught me. It's not what you wear, it's what's inside. And I think that's the biggest thing that I, I, I was taught. And 
I think Alan Wood really released all those pains that I had. So it was good for me to be the person I wanted to be. What did you think of your meetings with Winston Churchill? Oh, I love Winston Churchill. You know, we're, we're very much alike. I love Winston Churchill when he said, be calm and carry on. I carry, I use that phrase all the time to my children. I love that man. You know what? He has guts. He really has guts. And he's not going to let those Germans come to his shore if he has to stand out. You know, he's a big man. I think if I'd see him on the shores of, of London there at White Cliffs, I think I'd turn around too <laughs> because he is quite, but he's wonderful. He's such a gentleman and I love his wisdom and his, his, he's so intelligent and he's so ahead of himself. I love being with him. I can tell you we, uh, I go in where they smoke cigars and that's unheard of. I know you ladies don't do that, but um, I've had a cigar with him. Now that's our secret, don't tell the press because you know what, it'll be that she smokes cigars every time she turns around. So, but I did have a cigar with him and he lit the thing up for me too. And I liked it. I didn't like the taste of it so much, but I, I did like it. It was kind of interesting, because you know what? I felt like I was important there, sitting in that big old chair. He's sitting next to me. And I don't know where Franklin was, but we were sitting there talking about the Queen of England. <laughs> Even though, Char oh, poor man, he stuttered so. Oh my goodness, a poor man could hardly say anything without stuttering. Oh, and I, yes, I, yes, he was here a lot. Here, my husband couldn't walk and he couldn't talk, so. <laughs> I mean, it was really a problem. I mean, it was, he stuttered and, um, but Winston Churchill would always work, work around it and it seems like he knew everything he was saying, so we didn't have to worry with his accent and with the stuttering. No one really knew what he was saying, and poor thing. And his wife would try to talk for him like I do for my husband. So it was kind of nice to be around uh, someone that was afflicted with something other than what we had. So that's a very good thing that you asked, madam. Now Winston Churchill had nothing wrong with him. He was just plain old simple and, and down to earth and I loved the man. Actually, I probably would have married him if I had met him earlier. No, I'm just kidding. Franklin and I are still in love, kind of. But uh, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of effort to work at this marriage when you're in politics, I will say that. You know, I still wear this. This is for the military, but I did wear one for the suffragettes when I was working for them. I know some of you ladies were probably in the suffragettes, weren't you? Yeah, well, this is... <laughs> well, we... <laughs> Madam, I just wanted to vote. That's all, didn't you? That's absolutely is what I said. So, And God loves Susan B. Anthony. Man, she was really something. And... So I'm always wearing some kind of um, ribbon for something, but this is for the military, a red, white, and blue. And, uh, but you know, I do want you to know that I don't think this war is going to go on much longer. And if it doesn't go on much longer, I want you to be prepared for these men and women that are coming home because they're gonna be different than when they left here. And they're gonna need your assistance and help so I hope that you might think of some place like Aberdeen to be here in Norfolk. I don't know whether you're working on anything like that now or not. Uh, Madam, you'd be good to be working on a committee for that. Would you like to be, and how about you, sir? Would you work on a committee? I think that would be good. I, I don't need to appoint you. I'm just asking you if you would work on it. 
I think everybody here would like to, to do that for you. You know, just make sure that they're housing for people when they get back. You know, my biggest dream is to have every child in a home with every night with a meal. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I've seen so many children homeless and without food. It's, it's heartbreaking, really. When I was in Africa, I saw all of this. You know, I've traveled and traveled, and there's so much in this world that's so hurtful. So I would hope that every child, my biggest dream would be to make sure that human kindness would be served throughout the world. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And we can start right here in Norfolk, too. And that would be a big thing. The press would love you all. I had the privilege of getting a tour of Hyde Park, New York, the <sighs> Roosevelt home. I wonder if you could reminisce anything about your time that you spent up there at Har Hyde Park with Franklin. I never liked it. The cottage is right near, not far from the main part of the house. And the cottage was small. My children loved that cottage, too, as well. And I think Franklin and I do. We kind of live more there than we do in Hyde Park, because that's really her home. And she really runs it, too. As we say, she runs a tall, she runs the tall ship. She tells everybody what to do. The help doesn't like her. And, and they kind of take it out on us. And so I'm always telling, apologizing to the help for the way she treats them. And uh, they will bring us dinner, and I will get up and serve myself, and then she gets upset, and then the help gets in trouble. And so it's very different living there. It's not something that I feel comfortable with. If I want more mashed potatoes, I want to get up and get them myself. I don't need to be served. And the queen was kind of, you know, she's very modest in a lot of ways, and very much like my mother. And uh, so in Kate, started singing. None of us realized that her voice could almost break glass. And uh, she did. And uh, the Queen of England said she would have to move back because it was so loud. So, but we thought she, she did a fine job, actually. And I think uh, the press, again, was a little hard on all of us, and especially Kate. Um, she just has a, a wonderful voice. And I think if she was down at the dock, she'd be able to hear her. So when you're in the room with her, she doesn't need a microphone, that's for sure. And she had one. So it was, it was loud. And uh, I kind of enjoyed it because you know what? I think the king and, and queen of England are down to earth, really. They're kind of like us. They, they just happen to be the king and queen of England. So I think they really enjoyed it, even though it was a little loud and a little, a little different than what they're used to. But we... We did the best we could, and under the circumstances. But the King of England is very nice, as I said. He's, he's very kind. He's a kind man. And um, he's a young boy. He, you know, there again, his brother is the one that uh, made him the king. He did not really, you know what he was telling me? And now, I don't know whether this will get in the press or not, but he was telling me that he really didn't want to be the King of England. But it was his duty because his brother said he didn't want it. He fell in love with another woman, which I admire for him for that, too. He gave it up for that. Can you imagine giving up a throne? I don't know. I'd have to think about that. <laughs> giving up the throne of England for someone that you love? Now, that's amazing, I think. What a love story. And I'd love to hear that. I think that was good. But he did not ask for it. And he was telling me that, 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 that night, that story, how it all became. 
So I feel kind of sorry for him. I think he really would prefer his brother to stay as king of England. But you know, we all have heavyweights like that, don't we? We all carry the burden of something that we probably don't really want to carry. So there again, this war is very much, oh, the bells in heaven are calling upon us. You know, the New York uh, press is not uh, very good, and it seems to have just trickled down from the top of New York till it keeps going. And I remember reading about Martha Washington when she said the New York Society and the press was not good to her as well. Being first lady, she didn't go to her husband's inauguration. And uh, she got in trouble for it. So she took all of her wonderful dresses. And uh, I love going to that, that house where she was because I can just see her there standing. She stood at the door waiting for everyone to see her husband and they had to pass her. And as they passed her, there was a soiree of desserts in the, in, the, in the parlor there for them. So guess what? The New York Society started accepting her, that saying that she was really a lady. They haven't done that yet to me, but maybe later they will. They just think I'm, I don't know what they think, but um, it's kind of made me stronger in many ways. As I said, I've come out with a lot of quotes that, you know, no one can make you inferior unless you give them your consent. I think that is something that I would like to see everyone feel, that the only way you're going to feel that way is if you give them permission. I've gone to a lot of cities, in Europe too as well. You know, soup kitchens are the next, you know my husband said, put a chicken in every pot. I think that was the most stupidest thing he ever said, especially when people can't afford it. And I told him that, I said, you know, if people can't afford a chicken, how are they going to put it in every pot? He said, well, it's a good slogan, and that's what, so he kept it. Now, again, I'm doing this in confidence. That's what I said to him. I think that that's what everyone should feel. We need more soup kitchens, more things that we can help each other. That's what we need to work on, and that's what we need to do. You know, if we don't have food, we can't survive. And if we don't have each other, we can't survive. So I think that me working there in those soup kitchens, it's not whether I'm going to get publicity or not. It's there because I want to do that. I want to feed the homeless. You know, people are going to be homeless no matter what we do. There's some people mentally sick, and we know that, that they just cannot live in a confined area. Well, why not take care of them? Let them live where they want to live, but then they have to eat. So if you want to open a soup kitchen, I'd be the first one there to help you, madam. So if you could do that, I would, before I leave, I would, I'll be there. Maybe we'll get some publicity, and then we'll get more volunteers to do it. And I love volunteers. I think everyone should do something whether it's a child on up, everyone should learn to volunteer when they're young. I certainly was young when I started volunteering. You know, when I went away to school, I was only almost 11 years of age. And when I got there, the very first thing I did was I wanted to volunteer for the volleyball team. I never played volleyball in my life, but I wanted to carry water to the ladies and the, and the girls. And I wanted to learn how to play volleyball by watching them. So volunteering was a way for me to learn. And I think it is a lesson for all of us.
when we volunteer for soup kitchens and things like that. Do you get along better with General Eisenhower or General MacArthur? Oh, MacArthur, it's got many words too. I love the man too. He's very nice. Eisenhower is more gentle. I don't get to really talk to them that much. Uh, my husband gets to see them and talks to them more. But I do get to see their wives, and we do talk. You know, wives do talk. I know all of you ladies out here. Don't tell me that you don't talk to your friends and all. Well, you know what? We do, and we talk a lot. And Mamie Eisenhower, she has put up with a lot because she's been without husband for a long time. And she's been without husband for a long time for this war. Now, Mrs. MacArthur, she's used to it, as she says, because he does what he wants to do when he, when he wants to do it. So she's kind of gotten used to that, too, as well. You know, being a general's wife is like being the president's wife. I think you can compare them both the same level. So, you know, it, it's no matter wh whether we're in the military or in politics, it all is politics, actually, one way or another. So, well, I just hope that the generals will be honored in every way that they can possibly be honored because they certainly have done a courageous battle for us, and they're still doing it. Patton, what a man he is, too. I actually was in uh, one of the units at Patton. You know, he's in these tanks that just rolls in, and this man, he's fearless, actually. But he does have a heart, and even though sometimes it doesn't show, he does, at night, it comes out. I hear that he's not sleeping well, and he doesn't do things well. But at the same time, I think he, he's a great general. So I kind of like all of our generals, really. Well, I keep prattling on. I just uh, thought I should leave you with one thought. You know, one thing that I do do at Hyde Park and at the cottage is I do a lot of gardening. Are there any gardeners in here? Oh, well, good. I hope that you will put maybe the rose that's named after me. I was so honored to have a rose named after me, the Eleanor Roosevelt Rose. Well, I was delighted. They presented me with one. I put it in the White House garden, and I happened to open the book, and I looked at it, and it said, not good in a bed, but great up against a wall. So I thought to myself, well, with that, how could I go wrong with a rose like that? I think that's a fine thing to have. So I bid you a good day and deep, deep, deep into your pockets and please get, get a war bond. It's so important that each home has one bond. You know my husband got the very first. Our house has many bonds in it. So good night, everyone. <laughs>